Hi, I'm Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It's our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today's episode of Root Like Faith is going to be a good one. Well, I, I mean, it's a little hard to talk about because we're talking about humility. Ugh. In a world that's always promoting itself, and let's be honest, we all struggle with this. Um, the follower of Jesus, we're, we as a follower of Jesus, we're called to humility. So we're going to talk about what that looks like, why it's important, and how we grow in humility. So let's get started. Okay, so let's get started today talking about this topic that, again, is very connected to the season that we're in, and that's Lent. And, you know, Lent's all about drawing near to Jesus. So I think, you know, it's just fitting that we talk about humility and dying to ourselves so that we might experience new life in Christ. And we'll never do that if we don't have humility. And but this really isn't a, a virtue that our culture values, is it, honey? It's not. It's it's not even a virtue that we value. Exactly. You know, you it's not how, just our culture. It's us. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, you just think about how difficult. I, I was thinking about when you were doing the intro, this is such a silly example, but I think it just reminds you of how early um, it starts where we just sort of think the world revolves around us. I mean, we sort of come out of the womb. Yeah. And we're, the, we're the center of our parents' attention. And uh, we grow up thinking that everybody else is uh, sort of there to uh, to applaud us and, and mm-hmm. to look at us. And I remember as a junior high kid um, going to the mall, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and went to Glenbrook Mall. And they had a footlocker there, and they had a pair of shoes. They were called Nike Air Pythons. And they, they had, like, snakeskin around the heel oh, of the shoe. No. And I thought those were the coolest thing. And I remember, like, staring at the wall, the shoe wall. And back then, they didn't have the variety like they do today. But I remember standing there at the mall and looking at all these shoes. And, and I saw the Nike Air Pythons. They were they were deeply discounted. And in, in <laughs> hindsight now, I, I, I can see why. Uh, because, uh-uh, but um, you liked them. I loved them. And I, and I literally stood there at the wall um, envisioning myself wearing those and walking into Woodside Middle School the next day <laughs> wearing those and how everybody was going to think, wow, Patchwink is so cool. And so I bought them or my parents bought them. And I remember wearing them. I wore them to school one day. Um, oh, and that's, no. that's sort of a sad story. You that's know? a really um, sad story. You've never told me that really, story I, before. I, I think I've preached on it before. No, I, I pay attention sermon. to your messages, honey. <laughs> I've never heard you say that. Tell that story before. Well, it was a it was a painful experience. But my point in so telling people you, made fun of you. I I, I had a a. Um, a wide variety of, of um, observations made about my shoes that day. <laughs> was it the snake skin? Or? It was the snake skin. I don't think it was so much the Nike or the Air. It was more the, the Python. Um, and so it was more the snake skin around the heel that sort of caught the attention of my hmm. my, um, my peers. I don't like that story. I'm getting over it. I'm working <laughs> right. through it. That was a while ago. I hope you're over it. Oh, my word. But my point in that is I think, you know, from a very early age, you know, we, we can all and just, you know, sort of so many different ways kind of walk through life. Um, you know, desiring to be noticed and to be right. heard and to be seen. And we see that especially in our own day today with social media and just, you know, all of the ways that we love to be 
noticed and seen and heard. I mean, I think you know we're living in a culture that is so divided right now, and so everybody's just sort of shouting on social right. media, and and all of that really, um, you know, originates out of that desire for us to to have to get our own way, to have our own and, opinion, and to have heard our own opinion, and, and for our our will to be done, which is really kind of the heart of of what it means to be to be prideful, which is the opposite of humility. And so it is. It's something that our culture um, does not value. It's something right. that we wrestle with in uh, the journey with Jesus. And it's really what what God is is up to uh, throughout our lifetime is just continuing by His grace through the power of His Spirit to uh, to draw us more and more away from ourselves and um, closer to Him. But but so that we might love Him and love others more. Mm-hmm. And that's a painful journey because we don't yet love what Jesus loves. Well, and we want our view. Um, understood. We think we're right. Uh, I also just think that we, uh, and this ties into humility, is that we don't know how to have healthy conversations anymore. Um, and I have to share this story, honey, because it just came to mind. Oh, no, this always <laughs> makes me really nervous. So the oh, stu- my word. It's not the stuff in the notes. It's the stuff that, <laughs> that isn't there. This is literally the best story. And um, oh, oh, my word, you guys, listen. Okay, when Pat was younger... He had he had a best friend that I'm sure you've talked about before because you always talk about how he only had like two I friends. I had an only friend. No, that's not really true. But anyways, <laughs> there was one particular friend who you were with all the time, and his name is Barry. Barry. And I feel like we've talked about Barry maybe before. Um, again, just because you say that's your only friend. But um, when he was younger- and Darren. Darren was my other friend. I those, know that. Those were my two friends. Yeah, but you had more than that. Anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best story. So- Barry, I don't know. How old were you? You know what story I'm going to tell, don't you? I do now, yes. How old were you? Let me tell it, though. I want to tell it. Well, I think I was in junior high. Okay. Most of my greatest moments and worst (laughs) moments happened in junior high. (laughs) (laughs) So Barry and Pat were... Were you like at his house and... Yeah, I mean, Barry lived on a lake, and so we we would always go over there and hang out, you know, at his place. In the wintertime, we'd play hockey, and, you know, in the summertime, we'd fish. Okay, and, I just want to know where so, you were oh, when this happened. Okay, well, <laughs> so we were in his backyard. We, you know, it wasn't uncommon for us in the summertime to build a, a campfire out back in his backyard near the lake, and we'd, you know, hang out and roast marshmallows and eat hot dogs and then, you know, fish for catfish. Okay, okay, okay. So that's so the context. Okay, that, okay, so they're sitting... It was nearly nightfall, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> they're at the campfire and they get into Pat used to have deep theological conversations even in middle school. It's pretty spiritual back then. <laughs> so he is talking to Barry and they are in disagreement, okay, about something. I don't know, theologically about something. And Pat it kept escalating until finally um and this just really ties into the healthy conversations that we don't know how to have, which I understand you were in middle school. Nothing is healthy in, in middle <laughs> school, so So it gets to the point where because you felt probably like you could do nothing else, you decided that you were just going to tackle Barry. That is <laughs> Barry that is would true. not come along and understand <laughs> your theological argument, your side. And so you just got up and all out tackled him. I turned it into a wrestling match for Jesus. <laughs> and that is, I feel like, the best story. And listen, if that doesn't accurately depict how really, honestly, today in our culture, yeah. we don't even know how to have healthy conversations, yeah. so we just totally go after people. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm sorry, honey. I had to share that story because that is 
literally one of my well, favorite we probably stories. should have saved that story for for a couple episodes uh in the future when we talk about anger because that, well, that probably applies to that <laughs> well, too that's but true. We can, i guess we could bring it back no up that that is a that is a true story I, I did not know paul's words in second corinthians 10 where he says we demolish arguments um and so i was more concerned with with you know sort of demolishing barry in the midst of the argument well you so wanted I got those to be two right confused i wanted to be right not a pride i i I'd come to the end of my argument and didn't right. know what else to do and so i just um <laughs> Anyway, I tackled him. Yeah. So, so I, but I think, you know, honestly, getting back to this whole topic of humility, I think what happens is we have so much pride. Um, all of us do. We all struggle with pride to different degrees. And that's where we need to start when we're talking about humility. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you said at the very beginning that we're in this season of Lent. And again, the, the, you know, Lent is a, a 40 day of preparation for Easter. And it's this really intentional time of the year. And on the church calendar where we're, you know, drawing near to Jesus and we're confessing sin and, you know, we're, um, you know, looking at our own soul, the condition of our own soul, and we're, you know, confessing and we're, you know, repenting. And and so in particular, I think this time of the year, I mean, just taking a closer look at just the presence of pride in our life. And so mm. sometimes... I think to understand humility, we have to go back and, and maybe understand pride. And you know, throughout uh, church history, and I don't know who um, you know was the first person to just sort of formulate those seven deadly sins, but the seven deadly sins, um, you know, really marks um, pride at the top of that list. And, and the deadly sins, you know, are you know, oftentimes they're called capital sins, or mm. uh, and the word capital just means head. And what writers and theologians have talked about is that those seven deadly sins, are, they give rise to every other sin. Mm. And so the reason why they're um, considered capital sins is not because that's an exhaustive list, but it's because those seven in particular give rise to every other sin. And, and the sin of pride is at the top of that list. And so, um, you know, oftentimes people will talk about how pride is just so deadly to the soul. I mean, it's what you know, I think C.S. Lewis talked about it. It's what made Satan become Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what caused him to rebel against God. It was the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden where they thought their way was better than God's way. And so at the heart of pride is it's really that that attitude that says, my will be done. Right. Um, this is what I want, and and it's my way. And not only that, but it, but it also seeks to impose our way on somebody else. And I think that that's where pride and vanity are slightly different. Mm-hmm. And so vanity is a little bit more concerned about what others think about us, mm-hmm. but pride has more to do with getting your way. And so it doesn't really care so much about what other people think. I, do, I think it's interesting how pride can kind of creep in. You don't even realize you're going down that road. and. The, when you just kind of step back and you're like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, why, why is this upsetting me so much? And it's, it's kind of like a window into our soul realizing that, you know, like you said, it's a sin. It's because we are so prideful. We want our way and we want our way known. Yeah. You know, Luke chapter 18, you know, verses nine through 14, it's that, that parable that Jesus tells of, you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector and how they both come to pray. And I want to read that passage because I think it's just a good illustration, um, a good contrast between the, the the proud person and the humble person. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, uh, he says this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Uh, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 
But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, again, there's just sort of one biblical example. You know, Jesus taught on this, and this is the, the way into the kingdom. I mean, Jesus taught that blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are those who are humble, that you can't get into the kingdom of God. You can't come into a right relationship with God uh, apart from humility. And so we have to repent and believe in Jesus, and that requires um, seeing ourselves for who we really are. We have to have humility about who we are. And so um, humility does matter. Um, yeah. It, it um, enables us to come into a relationship with God. And then throughout our lifetime as we follow Jesus, God is continuing to, to just tear us away from being at the center and uh, that's a painful, painful process that well, takes a lifetime. And, and I just keep thinking about how magnified this is in marriage. I mean, not that we need to bring up, you know, arguing. <laughs> and But, you know, like, honestly, don't you think, honey? I mean, it's so, I mean, I feel like that's one of the biggest struggles in marriage is our pride. You know, every, the times that that we get in an argument, we don't agree, any, it's, it's like literally, it always has to do with pride. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you were to look at um, the the two fights we've been in in oh, uh, right. you know twenty <laughs> Only, plus years yeah, of marriage, just two. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they would both come back to um, my pride. You yeah. know, not yours, mine, no, <laughs> honey. Well, or my, it's my pride too. You know, I'm the one that's right, or that's you know, no. and I think you know, even if it's not marriage that you're talking about, if it's a friendship that you're in an argument, I mean, it always comes back to who's going to be the one to set aside their pride and have some humility. I just feel like it's so magnified in relationships. It is. I mean, I think that that when you think about the relationships that we're in, whether you're right, whether it's a husband and wife relationship or within a family or with your kids or, you know, in the workplace or just your friends, I mean, there's just so much um, at play. You know, we, I, th- I think it was Paul Tripp in his book, um, Relationships, where he mm-hmm. talks about, you know, we're sinners relating with other sinners. And at the heart of our sin is, is pride. And so it's inevitable in every relationship where, you know, just our own sinful, selfish desires are going to collide with somebody else's. And so it really does. It requires, you know, humility. And I think that's a, that's a grace of God that he gives us to, you know, to see that in ourselves. And to be able to at times maybe compromise mm-hmm. or to be able to be, you know, quick to listen and slow to speak, as James says mm-hmm. in James chapter one. And so it, it is, I think it's so important to have humility in our relationships with one another. I mean, a relationship is destined to to be severed without humility. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk more about humility. Um, well, first of all, we're talking about this because we're in the season of Lent. So I would love for you, honey, to share a little bit about why humility, you know, why it's important to kind of focus on, you know, humility while we're in this season of Lent. Yeah, you know, I was, in fact, recently when I was preaching on, um, we were in the study through the Old Testament book of Exodus, and I brought up, um, you know, Paul's words in in 1 Corinthians, where, you know, he's telling the, the, the church in Corinth, the believers there, that they're not their own, mm. that they were bought at a price. And so I was just kind of sharing that passage as it related to the sermon. And I think that that's such a, a good reminder as we're in the midst of, of, of this Lenten season that we're not our own, that, that Jesus, you know, bought us by his um, death, burial, and resurrection, that we're not our own, we're, we're not free to do whatever we want. And so I think as we enter into Lent and continue in this season, 
it's really this intentional time to say, God, I, I need you. Like my sin is misery. Mm. And so I need you to crucify everything that's dead and dying in my life. And, and so I belong to you. And that's where our deepest happiness is. is. That's where our deep joy is at, mm-hmm. is in you know knowing you and walking with you and serving you. And so, Jesus, I need you to continue through the power of your spirit to crucify all of this stuff in my life that doesn't belong to you. Um, yeah, I love that. And so I think this Lenten season is just a really, really, I think, um, you know, intentional time for us to look in particular at just our self-centeredness, our, our pride, and to be reminded of that reality that that it doesn't, our pride doesn't lead um, to joy and happiness. It actually leads to our misery. And so we need Jesus to come and to, to give us the eyes to see it in our life and all mm-hmm. of the different relationships um, where it, it rears its ugly head. Mm-hmm. And so as we talk about humility, then, I think it's important for us to have the right picture of humility. Because I think we can use the word humility, and maybe all of us get different pictures in our head of what that means. Does that mean to be quiet and meek? Does that mean, you know, like, what is it a posture of our heart? Like, there's so many different, I feel like, ways we could think yeah, of that. absolutely. So let's... I mean, who do you know? Like, when you think about, like, a humble person, and it's, and you can't, you can't say me, but Honey, besides... I'm not going <laughs> to... No, but seriously, know. like, is, are there people that you that you can think? Because I can think of, I definitely um, can think of people in my life who are humble. I feel like I can notice that in a person before I even really know them. Okay. There is like just what makes you say that? Like, how do you know? Like, if if we're at church or we're in a coffee shop meeting with somebody, like, what what characteristics? Okay, that's them? a really good question. I feel like it's a not to put you on the spot here. Well, but, but I th- to put you on the spot. <laughs> You know, there is this genuine care to them. I can't explain it. There's this genuineness about them. There is this this deep love and care when you speak to somebody or even when you look at them. Um, of course, I one of my spiritual gifts, top spiritual gifts is discernment. So I don't know if that probably comes into play here, but yeah. I feel like that that's the best way that I can describe it. They don't even have to speak, but if they do, mm-hmm. I can notice that as well. But there's just a, a countenance about them that is this kind, genuine, deep love and care. Yeah, no, that's really good. It, it, when As you're saying that... Um, We'll get to it here in a minute as we look at Philippians chapter two, but how humility and love go together. Mm. Um, you, you can't have humility well, without go. love. So what you just said is is it's true. It's true. There's it's a right. reason. That's why I see that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I remember. I think it's in uh, Mere Christianity where C.S. Lewis, you know, he talks about how if if you were to spend time with a humble person, you wouldn't walk away um, from that conversation and say, "Boy, that person was so humble." Um, he says, what you would do is you would walk away from that conversation or that time with that person and say, they were so interested in me. Mm, and there's a kindness. And there's that a comes kindness there. They're, they're not, um, they're, they're a person that is um, not dominating maybe a conversation. Um, mm. They're not just talking about themselves. But what Lewis is talking about is that there's this loving, listening quality about them mm-hmm. that when you walk away from that time with them, what you would say about them is not how humble they were. But really, um, how interested they mm-hmm. were in you because they're they're other centered, and so you know I think I, I just love that um, you know other people have described humility as that it's the truth, um, it's the truth about who we are, and so humility is just seeing ourselves accurately uh, for who we are. And I you know one of the things that I've read recently, I think it was about a year ago, 
is that humility comes from the Latin word that means earth or dirt or soil. Mm, Um, And I had never read that before. I I didn't know that. And so um, when you think about the word humility, it, it comes from that Latin term that means earth dirt or soil and so you just think about like the soil underneath your feet i mean we have snow underneath our feet yeah um, this <laughs> Lots time of the year, of but, snow. but there is dirt and soil underneath there somewhere but when you think about that there that soil you know underneath your feet like you don't ever think about that as you're walking mm. um you know through the backyard you're not thinking about the dirt or the soil underneath you it's just there and so you think about that, um, you know, as a humble person, a humble person that that's just sort of their mm. their quality. They're mm. not promoting themselves. They're not letting you know that they're there. They're just they're just there. And, and other authors have talked about that that idea that that um, you, humility is is really like the soil or the dirt in which every other virtue. Um, you know, sort of comes to to fruition. Mm -hmm. And so humility is like this this good soil uh, that God by his spirit um, brings uh, forth other fruits from. And so you just think about whether that's love or sincerity or or, or kindness. I mean, all of those fruits really come from the rich and good soil of Mm -hmm. humility. Well, you know, this is interesting because as we talk more about this, my mind is going to um, just how big self-care is and you know it's kind of this big movement um and i think that we can uh overemphasize that but i also think we can underemphasize uh, underemphasize that and i wonder if it's because we don't have a right view of humility so how do we because it is important to take care of ourselves so in humility we obviously don't want to think uh, about ourselves all the time. Yeah. But w- so where's the balance here? I think that's just really important to kind well, of mention here. I think that the best, I mean, and I don't know who, where, where it originally came from, but I think, you know, that the best definition, one of the most simple definitions of humility is humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking less about ourselves. Mm. And so I think that that's, you know, just a good way of sort of distinguishing those two. I mean, there's obviously times where we need, we do need to think about ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves and, um, you know, and set boundaries. And, you yeah, know, we, and we you know, have, we've talked we've in talked the past about, about yeah. just the need of, of, you know, good counseling or good care for mm. our soul. Yes. But I think as we talk about humility, it's not, you know, walking around going, oh, I'm such a loser. Exactly. That's why that I wanted to That was the worst bring... sermon I've ever preached. Um, <laughs> I, Honey. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not, you know, walking around uh, degrading yourself. Right. Um, it's really just thinking less about yourself and what you want and what you need. And it's really having, again, it's having much more of an outward focus rather mm. than an inward focus. Um, I think it was Tim Keller. He has a, a really short little book called Self-Forgetfulness. Mm. And in it, if I remember right, he he talks about how, you know, humility, um, you know, is that. It's thinking less about ourselves. But, you know, I think this idea that, that self-loathing and self-loving mm-hmm. can both be forms of pride. Mm. And so when you think about oh, that, like pride really is really, you know, it's loving ourselves, but like the self-loathing person, and we all know the self-loathing person mm-hmm. is just as prideful as the person that loves themselves. Mm. And so, you know, the person that walks around and is just kind of always down on themselves, um, that really is just a, I think, a sneakier um, form of pride mm. because really what we're looking for is others it, to affirm affirmation. us. Yeah. yeah, affirmation. We want people to tell us how good we are Oh, that's so good. Um, well, I love Philippians 2 because I think this ties in um, as well. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests 
of others. And I think that's where, you know, that goes along with, uh, you know, a humble person is a loving person. And that really the humility, humility and love go hand in hand, they go together. Yeah, I mean, again, it's what you were saying, yeah, before that, that really, you can't cultivate the virtue of humility by yourself. Like, it's, it's mm. really easy to be humble when you're not in relationship with anybody else. Yeah, that's really easy. <laughs> you know, because you don't have any competing views or attitudes or opinions. Um, nobody's asking you Me, myself, you to, and I. Me, you know? yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so again, I think that's another example of that humility is this virtue that that God has given us to, to cultivate right relationships mm. with one another. And, um, you know, God gives this, this command to be humble um, and not to pursue selfish ambition uh, is really a way of, of maintaining, um, you know, relationships because mm-hmm. without humility, again, uh, those relationships would, would never, uh, they'd never last. And so it absolutely, um, is a, a fruit that we need in our life, um, in the context of relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, let's close here with just a few practical ways that, um, we can all grow in humility. Cause I think that this is, this is important. It's like, okay, I need to be humble, but like, how do I actually do this? Um, so what does this look like practically? Um, we'll just give you guys a few a few ways that practically we can actually work on this and grow in humility. Yeah, I think one of the first things I, mean, I would just sort of point out that you know, the Bible talks about, as we've read um, already in, in one example, that we are called to humble ourselves. And so you see this, you see two things in the scriptures. You see God calling us to humble ourselves or the warning that he will humble us. And I think that that's a really important thing for us to remember, that we either bend our own knee, we either bow our own Mm. knee, or God will bend it for us. And I don't mean that, you know, just as a a loving, gentle reminder, um, there is plenty that that God, out of his love for us, will will do. There are plenty of things that God will do out of love for us that that can be painful, but Mm -hmm. he's humbling us, and he's reminding us that he is God, Mm -hmm. and that the world revolves around him, that he's the source of all that is true and good and right and beautiful, and he's the source of of real life. And so God humbles us, not, not to punish us, but he humbles us to show us where real life is found in him. And so I just, I think that's such an important thing to remember yeah. that we are called to humble ourselves and that's much better than having God humbled. humble humble us. And, and of course in life we will be humbled. And I guess that's another way that we, yeah. we grow in humility. Um, I th- last week, our episode in our episode we talked about confession and i think that's another practical way for us to grow in humility is through pa- prayer and repentance yeah i think you know as we talked about that just the need of of daily you know coming before god and asking him to to sort of uh, rewind the tape on on our day or certain conversations and and to repent of, of pride where we've seen it, you know, creep in. I would also add um, the 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 need to ask others for accountability. Mm. Now, most people listening to this will not do this. Um, <sighs> that's just the reality. Who wants to? Like, right? Who wants but... to do that? But if you do, um, this will be one of the most beneficial beneficial things that that God will use mm. uh, to create humility in you. Because oftentimes, the prideful person is the last person to see pride in their own heart. Mm. Everybody else around them sees it, senses it, notices it, and usually the prideful person is the last one to sort of show up at the party. Yeah, and I think I think along with that, you know, asking obviously others in our life, or maybe it's just one person that you know that you could reach out to um, to ask them to help you with this. But I also think you know, asking God to 
to reveal to you those, because he will, I mean, he's faithful. He is involved in our lives. We can ask him to reveal these things to us. And so I think asking him to just bring to light, bring to mind every, the times that you are struggling with pride for him to reveal that to you so that, so that you can grow in that. Yeah, I think that's such a good reminder. You know, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and see if there's anything in me that is offensive. And so I think that ought to be a prayer we pray every day, yeah. um, is God just just help me to see what I can't see. And mm-hmm. God in his goodness, is he shows us um, that. And then lastly, I think this is so important, is that we ought to look to the cross. I mean, the cross is the greatest example of the humility of God. Mm. Um, we don't oftentimes think of God as being humble. Um, but when you think about the 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 coming down of God in the person of Jesus, the, mm-hmm. that doctrine of the incarnation of God taking on flesh, like what a humbling experience that was mm-hmm. for for Jesus, the second person of the Trinity to take on flesh and to come into the world that He created to to redeem us and to go to the cross. I mean, that's that's Paul's argument in Philippians chapter two. Um, and so I think to look at the cross and realize how humble God is, that, mm-hmm. that he um, that He gave up the, the glory of heaven and the pleasure of heaven to come and to humble himself, uh, to become a servant for us and to go to the cross and to be reminded that, that it was that necessary, like our sin was that serious to God, that, mm. that it took him coming down and dying for us on the cross. And it ought, to, it ought to humble us. It ought to remind yeah. us that we really are that sinful, but we also are really that loved. Mm-hmm. And so we ought to just continue to, to look to the cross and to be reminded of the humility of God. It gives us an accurate view of, of who we are and enables us then to respond, I think, in greater love and humility uh, to, to God, but also to others. Mm, I love this. Ah. I love all of those practical takeaways and, you know, we can just take those to heart and put those into action. And that's what I love about practical application. Um, we need it. So this was such a great conversation today. So fitting for this season of Lent. Um, I feel challenged and convicted. I don't know about you. I guess I'm going <laughs> to go work on humility. <laughs> that was my goal today. Right. <laughs> well, friend, if we haven't met, we want to get to know you. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwank and at Ruth Schwank or on Facebook. And also don't forget that everything we talked about today will be at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. We'll also be sure to put that book that we mentioned. What was the name of that by Tim by Keller? Tim Keller, yeah. I think it's called Self-Forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness. And I feel then, like that would be a really great um, And Relationships, I think, um, you know, by Paul Tripp. Is another. Uh, relationships, a, a Mess Worth Making is uh, probably one of my favorite books mm. on relationships. Mm. So we'll be sure to put those resources in the show notes at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. Again, we're so thrilled you are joining us and we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. Would you do us a big favor and leave us a review or rating and, and share this podcast with your friends? Help us get the word out. We'd be so, so grateful. And hey, while you're doing that, tag us on social media and then we can get to know you there. We're so grateful for your help in getting the word out. All right, friend. Well, we will chat soon and we hope you have a great week.